Hello and welcome to another edition of TGC Midweek. My name is Jacob and you can hear me now. So that's a great thing. Sorry about the uh, difficulties we had last, last week, folks. We appreciate you tuning in again. Um, but that should, that should give you, um, that should give you pause. So you should never compliment the sound guy <laughs> because then all your sound will just go away. Um, with me today on a functioning microphone is Michael Novak. Michael, what's going on, man? Good. And I, uh, I just want to say I'll never stop complimenting Guillermo because he's awesome. And there goes the sound. There it so. goes. <laughs> Makes us sound great most every week. Yes. It, <laughs> except for when we, when we say that. So, yes. um, yeah. So this is going to be our, our third installment of our church government mini series. And, uh, so this week we're going to be talking about why a church plant. So just to kind of review where we, where we've been. Um, if you haven't listened to the past episode, go back and listen to me. You can hear me a little bit last week. So it's not a total waste of your waste of your time, but, um, we've, we've done an overview of what Presbyterium is and the, the system of government, um, that has authority within our denomination. And we also talked about where the PCA lies within Presbyterian, Presbyterianism generally, and what is a church plant within the PCA context. Talked a little bit about that last week. So this week we're going to talk about why a church plant. So Michael, let's just dive right in here. Mm-hmm. Um, why did uh, why did our presbytery decide that we needed a church plant in Northwest San Antonio? It seems like anywhere you go, yep. you pass four or five churches. Sure. So why another one? Well, San Antonio, as most of you will know, is a big city, uh, well over a million people in population, and we have got. This is uh, uh, the fourth press PCA church in mm. the city. And so um, the Presbytery identified Northwest San Antonio as a prime spot for a church plant for a number of different reasons, the first of which is it is a rapidly growing area of yeah, town. definitely. Lots of young families moving this way, moving to the suburbs, uh, lots of new developments happening in this area of town. And so in the next decade, I think that uh, we will look around and it will be uh, full and uh, it'll look a lot different than it does even now. Uh, the second reason the Presbytery identified this area of town as ripe for a church plant is the fact that UTSA is here. Okay. And uh, there's 30,000 college students that call our backyard home, and we wanted to plant a church in conjunction uh, with a new RUF campus mm. ministry in hopes of serving, loving, and sharing the gospel with those 30,000 college students there that call UTSA home. Sure. Yeah, and we 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 actually did an interview with Curtis Castleberry, the RUF campus minister. Yes, um, I think a month or two ago. So if you're interested in, in RUF and what that ministry is all about, definitely go back and give that episode a listen. Absolutely, and um, and so most of you will know that we planted together. He mm-hmm. moved here with his family to plant the RUF at UTSA. And we moved up to this part of town to plant Trinity Grace. And it's a team effort in a lot of ways. And the hope is that it'll be a lot of synergy and we feed off of one another uh, where we're able to serve and love them. They're able to funnel students into our church uh, so that they might serve and love our church and serve and love our mission uh, to reach San Antonio and renew it with the gospel. Yeah. So when when we look at San Antonio, I'm curious just – um, what your observations were kind of leading up to the plant of Trinity Grace about the, uh, I'm going to put this in scare quotes, the church scene mm-hmm. in San Antonio. What were your observations of of kind of the just the general ecosystem? Yeah, that is a very interesting question, and I think I can answer it in two ways. I can answer it personally, uh, uh, what I was feeling internally, mm-hmm. and then what I was seeing externally. 
Um, and I think they, uh, they um, come together in a lot of ways. Uh, internally, I never thought of myself as a church planter. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, a kind, the kind of guy that normally works uh, well when an established group is already there uh, to provide some sort of structure and order uh, to a group that is already blowing and going in some ways. And so the fact that we were able to launch with a certain number of folks, mm-hmm. I think, was really beneficial for me personally. Um, I'm more of a faithful plotter. Uh, I'm a quiet guy. I'm not necessarily uh, commanding a room uh, like a lot of church planters would, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. stereotype of a church planter at least. Um, and uh, But I think that that can actually um, be a good thing uh, in the long run, somebody that can uh, move into an area, establish a church, and then not leave, but actually become the pastor yeah. and even long-term pastor of that church. Mm-hmm. And that's really our hope. We want to be here for many years, mm-hmm. uh, pastoring Trinity Grace Church um, and growing old with that congregation. Um, and then when I looked externally, I thought that um, 1604 mm-hmm. is kind of Bible church land, yeah, big Bible church land, definitely uh, yeah. contemporary. Um, Some huge mega churches, mega churches, our, our and good churches too. We visited a lot of them uh, while we were up here looking at the area on Sunday mornings. Um, but generally speaking, uh, very contemporary in worship. Uh, kind of praise band is oh, yeah. how I describe oh, yeah. it. Um, very large, may or may not have fog machines. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> lots of lights. Uh, some fog <laughs> machines. Um, and it felt somewhat like a performance. Um, and, uh, and it, uh, me and Rachel actually left one church up in this area. That's a great church, but we left and said, I think we could go here for four years and be completely anonymous, mm. uh, and not know anyone and no one know us. Yeah. And so when we moved up to plant Trinity Grace, we thought in terms of what is this area missing? And I think that it was missing, uh, in a lot of ways, what we're trying to do, um, to be quiet, uh, a faithful presence in this area, a church that is focused on historic, sacred liturgy um, that calls folks to participate and not consume, mm-hmm. um, that uh, provides a, a relevant, thoughtful, beautiful worship service, um, uh, that provides a historic uh, service and a historic um, account of who Jesus is. Uh, and I think that that actually resonates with millennials who are tired of the fluff. Okay. Uh, not just millennials, but most everybody. But I will say, demographically speaking, millennials make up the largest population segment of this area of the city. Wow. Um, so is that primarily because of UTSA, or is that you know? I UTSA? bet UTSA brings okay. it, that number down. So yeah. that's a great point. Um, but um, generally speaking, young families. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you know, use millennials, don't use millennials. I think generally speaking, folks in this area and folks that are coming back to the church are hungering for the sacred and historical, mm-hmm. something of substance. Um, and they might not agree with everything, but at least they respect the fact that you are preaching what you believe and yeah. not trying to please them. Man, I, d- 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 let me challenge you a little bit on that because do you think that that really holds? Because I, I go out, I work, I'm kind of in industry and I am around a lot of non Christians a lot. And there is definitely, to the extent that they're willing to um, entertain the idea of taking their family to church, mm-hmm. there is definitely this um, a, a cons- consumerist kind of mindset when it comes to to 
the church. And, and I think that this is where churches that hold to a, a strict view of scripture and biblical doctrine, this, this is in the marketplace of potential churchgoers. This is where we struggle because this is, you know, in 2019, the Bible says a lot of things that offends a lot of people. Sure. And, um, we've kind of drawn the line and said, we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like just bluntly, bluntly putting it that way. So do you think that really holds that we can just kind of do our thing on Sunday morning and people will begrudgingly respect us enough to keep coming? Yeah. I, um, I don't, uh, there's a, there's a few different ways I'd answer that question. Uh, first is I don't think that we can any longer have the mentality of if you build it, they will come. Okay. And so one of the things that I think about when we plant Trinity Grace and, and when we plant new churches in general is the fact that we're not yet in a post-Christian culture, I don't believe. There's still many folks in our area, especially in Texas and the Southeast, even yeah. though I wouldn't say we're Southeast, we feel more Southwest mm-hmm. than anything, that would still claim to believe in God. Uh, a majority of folks, though, um, uh, uh, not a majority, 90% of folks in our area claim to believe in God. About mm-hmm. 65% of folks uh, would say that God is actively involved in their lives. And so um, that means that they don't think that God is uh, is a personal being, um, generally speaking, that is uh, at work in this world and in their lives. And I don't think, uh, I think that that's going to get more and more of the percentage of the population that say that. Okay. So yeah. I think we are moving that way. We're going to be moving more and more into a post-Christian culture where you can't assume that folks know where the book of Jonah is, yeah. for instance, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, you can't assume that they even know where Matthew, the gospel of mm-hmm. Matthew is in their Bible. Um, and so um, with that whole transition that we're experiencing culturally and societally, uh, I think that we've got to have the mentality of we're going to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still going to have a worship service, obviously. Um, we're still going to invite people into our uh, Sunday morning uh, worship um, uh, service. Uh, but if we don't have a mentality of going out and engaging folks in personal evangelism mm-hmm. and invitations to church or other activities that we host, um, and having a bringer mentality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're probably not going to survive in the way that we want to survive yeah. and thrive. Um, and so I don't know how we got here, actually. I don't know if that answered your question at all. <laughs> well, let's let's rephrase it kind of a, a different way based on what you just said there. So, um, look, the way that I approach this, and, and it's cold, and I apologize, but I'm, I kind of I work in big business. And so I'm. if you just view, you know, view the church as, as a marketplace and there's different uh, churches that have different competitive advantages and they compete for various niches in the market. Okay. That's really, it's a cold way to put it, but let's think about it that way for a minute. Where does a PCA church like Trinity grace fit into that competitive market? Because it would be much easier for someone who's never darkened the door of a church to go to one of these large mega churches sure. where they, their face won't be recognized in a crowd Versus a PCA church, which we can be a little wonkish yeah. at times about about very persnickety things. Mm-hmm. So how do we compete in that market? And again, yeah. I know I'm being cold about this, but oh, I think no. you get what I'm. What I think I'm it's to great, say. and we can talk in those terms for a minute. I, I would not want to stay. Yeah, I don't think yeah, you would either yeah. in that mentality uh, as we think about the church in general and Trinity Grace specifically. But when we planted up here, when I was thinking in those terms, I thought we are. We're providing something that is not happening in this area 
Um, I, w- I don't want to say at all, but not it's not happening much. I in, totally agree. Yeah. In terms of our liturgical, yeah. historical, sacred, beautiful offering mm-hmm, on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I thought uh, we could go the contemporary big church route uh, and try to do it, but it would be kind of subpar uh, in a lot of ways oh, compared yeah, to what other folks are doing in this be area. one drop in the bucket then. But we could try to move in an opposite direction. And I guess you could say a niche direction. Um, and we could pop pretty hard okay. in terms of what is offered um, to folks as they walk through our doors and stand apart. And I think that we can actually do that well. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. You know, it might take some learning. Uh, they might visit and realize, wow, this is not the church for me. Mm-hmm. And I want to look at folks and say, there's lots of other great churches in this area. And let us help you find that church mm-hmm. um, if if this church, Trinity Grace, is not uh, what you would prefer, um, while also keeping in balance the fact that church is not meant to meet our preferences. Yeah, our absolutely. That's that's what um, I keep coming back to is so, you know, but I am convinced and I guess you just got to make a decision one way or the other and make your bed and kind of lay in it um, that folks are going to be attracted to substance um, to actually hearing somebody speak about what they believe mm-hmm. in as opposed to trying to pander to the crowds. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just convinced that, generally speaking, uh, that's going to win the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to pander to the crowds is a losing uh, game uh, because you're never going to be sure of who you are. Uh, you're never going to have convictions about who God is and who Jesus is and his mission in this world. Yeah, And at the end of the day, I think you have to just preach and present the gospel unadulterated and have faith that the spirit will work in the hearts of the, the of the people in whom the spirit intends to work. And that's, that might sound a little bit like just passing the buck, but I mean, if you're going to pass the buck to someone, <laughs> I think that's, that is, that's right on Jacob. I mean, yeah. that's the bottom line. I mean, we can talk about how we want to be historic, sacred, relevant, beautiful, um, but at the end of the day, what we really want to do is be faithful to the mm-hmm, scriptures, mm-hmm. to proclaim God's word faithfully, to preach the gospel, and really to trust in God to either grow this um, and and allow it to flourish um, or shut the door yeah. in some ways uh, on what we're up to. But I don't think that's going to happen if we're faithful to what yeah. he's called us to do. Um, and so, yeah, beautiful way to put it. So have you gotten any... I'm just curious about like within within the <laughs> within the community of uh what Carlisle calls paid religious professionals. Um <laughs> has there been any conversation that comes up about Trinity Grace within like just the circle of pastors in Northwest San Antonio? Like are we getting any recognition? Um do, yeah. do other folks recognize what we're doing? I guess is what I'm sure. asking. Yeah, one of the great things that I get to do in my role is meet with some other pastors in the area mm-hmm. on a pretty frequent basis. Um, not the same pastors all the time, uh, but I am trying to reach out to folks, allow uh, them to get to know us um, and get to know them and hopefully learn from them as well uh, yeah. about what they're doing well and how they've experienced ministry in this part of the city. Uh, and so generally speaking, um, I think of the churches in our area and the ones that I've gotten to know, um, there's a real collegial um feeling between uh, Trinity Grace and other churches in the area. Um, I think that folks are excited that we're here. I don't get a sense that there's a ton of competition Mm. uh, in terms of um, 
taken people away yeah. from other churches yeah. or uh, things like that. And so generally speaking, I've, I've gotten real positive vibes, um, I guess, to answer your question. Sure. Um, and I try uh, to proactively reach out to new pastors. Let's grab lunch. Let's grab coffee. I want to know you. I mm-hmm. want you to know us. I want to hear what you're doing, how God's blessing your church ministry and your work here in this part of the city. I want you to hear what's happening with us. Yeah. And if we can uh, partner up, we pray pray with each other, um, uh, then let's you know keep that in the back of our minds. Has there been any kind of uh, surprised reaction from other pastors in the area that within the world of sort of modern evangelicalism that we're trying to plant this, um, I'm going to call it old school for a minute, liturgical style church. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we have a guitar and everything, but we sing hymns and, and we follow this very rigid, and I don't yep. mean that negatively, but kind of a rigid order of worship. Has there been any shock or surprisement from that? You know, I haven't experienced it, and I would imagine that if there is, they wouldn't let me know. Oh, okay. um, and so... Um, but generally, I think uh, if you speak about it with conviction, and I always do because yeah. I believe in what we're doing, I think folks respect it. Mm-hmm. They might not agree with it, uh, but they at least think, wow, he, you know, these guys know what they're up to. They think that lit- liturgy is a formative experience mm-hmm. over time. Um, and, uh, and it's the best way, in my opinion, to shape and form people mm-hmm. over the long haul. Um, and if they sniggered or laughed, I guess I would just say, uh, I'd shrug my shoulders and just move on. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So um, we've talked a little bit kind of a, about this, but what are some of the aspirational desires for TGC? Like, what do we want to see this church become? Where are we going? Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. And the interesting thing about this is you can talk about our denomination, and that's pretty standard in terms of your doctrinal um, beliefs um, and, uh, theological convictions. Yeah. And we hit that pretty good last and week. And we did. And so, and so when you're planting a new church, while you stay true to those doctrinal beliefs and theological convictions, you do have some room, uh, to craft your own culture. Okay. And so, uh, we crafted our own core values at Trinity Grace, and you can go to our website and see what those core values are. There's five of them. We've mentioned them before. Transcendence, uh, uh, truth, gospel, hospitality, and renewal. Um, And so those are uh, the core values that we're committed to. Uh, We believe that God is still active in this world and in our lives, that He is completely other than us. We believe that He has spoken to us in Mm -hmm. His Word, the Old and the New Testaments of the Scriptures. He's self-revealed who He is to us so we can know who He is. Uh, And what He's told us in that truth is good news. It's the gospel Mm -hmm. that He has come to pursue us, to save us and rescue us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then that leads us out to be a hospitable people. We want to get to know one another. We want to get to know our neighbors and and share the love of God that we've received ourselves with others in our neighborhoods. And then we also want to see the gospel actually take effect in people's hearts and lives and bring renewal and restoration. So those are our five core values. Uh, But there's also aspirational values that I think about that I would Mm -hmm. love for us to become. And this is kind of how we pop, I think. Um, And those aspirational values, and I've got five of them that I've thought through. Um, I would love to see us be a thoughtful place. Um, And this this avenue right here that we're doing now hopefully demonstrates that. We want to take people's questions seriously. Uh, We want to think about what we're saying and how we engage. Um, we want folks to know that we have, you know, thought through implications and applications uh, for how the gospel applies to their life. So we want to be thoughtful. 
Uh, we want to be relevant. We want folks to come on Sunday mornings and not just go through rote liturgy, mm. but liturgy that actually speaks to their lives. I want to preach a sermon that actually applies the gospel to what folks are experiencing on a daily basis. We want to be beautiful. We meet in a high school gymnasium, so that's hard. <laughs> but small things like this, I think about the fact we don't want to have anything fake in yeah. our church. Um, and so real flowers, uh, real um, uh, candles, mm-hmm. um, uh, things that add to the aesthetics of what folks are experiencing uh, there. Uh, we want to be historic. Uh, we have not just popped into, you know, 21st century um, San Antonio. We trace our roots back uh, mm-hmm. to the first century church um, and, and through history. Um, and then we want to be sacred uh, in terms of pointing folks to the transcendence, the holiness of God. Uh, we are his creatures. He is our creator. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is a, a sacred thing on a Sunday morning, uh, worshiping our creator. Yeah. So uh, are we on track? So a, a year and two months or so ago when when Trinity Grace launched, are we now where you expected us to be? That's a really good question. Um, we are... I am. I have been very encouraged with the momentum that we've experienced, with the excitement from folks um, that have gotten to be a part of uh, Trinity Grace and have called uh, Trinity Grace their family. And so, in that way, I, I couldn't be more um, excited about who God's brought to us, the giftings that He's brought, and the hard work that has been done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of which has been done by other people, not me. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so crucial because people own this new church and they feel like it's theirs. And that's, ex- that's what I want. Yeah. Um, I do think it's always important to keep in our minds that we planted this church for us, but not just for mm. us. Uh, we planted this church for those that are not yet with us. And so to constantly keep an outward focus on how we are loving and serving and sharing the good news of Jesus with our neighbors that are not involved in a church, I think is going to be our biggest challenge. What are some practical things that you recommend for folks to be a part of that specifically? I I think it's everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so I love the idea, and we talk about it a lot, of gather and scatter. And so we gather to be equipped and encouraged with one another as God's people on Sunday mornings in our neighborhood groups and one-on-one relationships through ladies' Bible study, through some other opportunities that we'll have coming up in the next year for discipleship. Mm -hmm. And then we really want folks to move out and go to people in your workplace, um, in your neighborhood, on your sports teams, at your kids' schools, and really scatter uh, around the city uh, and just love people. And ways you can do that, it sounds so simple, um, but it's not extravagant. You can listen well. Mm -hmm. You can ask good questions. You can take opportunities when they're they're open to really share and encourage somebody with who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. with your words. Um, You can serve your neighbors by bringing them meals, um, inviting them into your home, asking about their kids, practically helping them as needed um, in a variety of different ways. Uh, And so it's it's not I I think it's scary when folks think it's got to be extravagant. Mm -hmm. But like I said a, a few weeks ago, you tend to overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in five years. And I think that mentality applies to how uh, we engage with people. Mm -hmm. It it takes a while, uh, but over time, as you love, serve, listen, speak, 
um, you can have a major impact in someone's life. Yeah, definitely. It can be a long game sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's all the thoughts that I have on this particular topic. Um, do you have anything, any other points you want to hit before we wrap up? I think I just reemphasize uh, the fact that we we want to be a, a bringer. Uh, we want to have a bringer mentality at Trinity Grace. Um, we want to be thinking and strategizing about um, who we can invite on Sunday mornings, who we can invite into our community and neighborhood groups. Um, and we don't want folks to feel comfortable. I never want to feel comfortable um, unless I am thinking about how I can reach my unbelieving mm-hmm. or uh, friends that have been burnt out on the church. Sure. Yes. Um, and so uh, that's the mentality that I think that we're going to have to fight to keep mm-hmm. um, as we grow um, and settle into who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's going to do it for this edition of TGC Midweek. Just a quick reminder. Um, this is going to wrap up our little mini series on church government next week. Um, we're going to conclude that series by devoting the entire podcast to answering all of your questions that you might have regarding church government or any other questions, really, if you want to send them in, but um, especially those on church government, now would be a good time to send those in and we can kind of answer them just in the context of these last three weeks as, as we've been going through that. So you can email those questions to michael at trinitygracesa.org or text them anonymously to 210-920-0783. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next week, my name is Jacob. His name was Michael. See you next time.